Today, we explore the digital and physical world through birdwatching, Pokemon catching, and how it can be used for fundraising. I'm Amarika Raffanelli, and this is Direct Relief Connect. So yeah, let's just start with um, some intros. So Steph, let's start with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Yeah, give us an intro. Hi, so my name is Steph. I go by Steph of Anime on Twitch, Twitter, every social media platform available. And I stream a ton of different games, but I love to focus specifically on Pokemon and, you know, some JRPGs and some MMOs like Final Fantasy 14. Okay, Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Eric Molina. I am Direct Release Program Operations Manager for Latin American Partnerships, um, our which are health uh, care providers in Latin America. And, you know, I, I grew up a Pokemon, a Pokemon fan, collected the cards, played the game. So I'm really excited to be here. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, so, Steph, how did you hear about Direct Relief? Oh, so I've known about Direct Relief uh, for a long time, just from the things that you've done, you know, hearing about it online, through friends and whatnot. But I I guess uh, I don't mean to jump a little bit ahead here, but I really started to get involved when I started streaming, you know, outside of just streaming games for fun. One of my biggest passions is charity streaming and just finding different causes to support. I feel like gamers are really generous and I just me in general, like I love being able to use my platform to kind of give back because I feel like I've been given so much by having a platform. So I started charity streaming in 2017 is when I think I did my first ever uh, charity stream. And then just since then, I continue to look for causes. And then I stumbled upon Direct Relief and, you know, getting together with a bunch of friends, you know, we ended up doing Pokathon. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I got started with it. Okay, Eric, yeah, what, what got you into Direct Relief? How did you find the organization? So I was in grad school and uh, somebody from Direct Relief came to one of our, our classes and presented on this wonderful organization. Um, and it really impacted um, how I felt at the time. I mean, my dream has always been to help others. And, you know, Direct Relief does exactly what I've always dreamed of being able to be part of. So um, I <laughs> pretty much talked to the representative and asked uh, to know more. And, and she, you know, invited me over to Direct Relief to do a tour. I met some of the team and, you know, I, it was kind of, I was kind of at the right place at the right time. And there was an uh, available position and I applied and I was, I got the position about a month and a half later. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, for, for those that you know, who aren't familiar with the organization, tell us a little bit about what you do with uh, these these partners or these health centers um, and organizations in Latin America. How how are you working on behalf of Direct Relief to support them? So our healthcare providers in Latin America, um, they we get to talk to them almost every single day. Um, they whenever they have any needs, they reach out to us, um, and then we, um, based on what we have in our inventory, try to meet some of those needs. Um, and yeah, I mean, once we identify those needs, we start packing their donations and start working with our transportation team to uh, find a way to get those donations over to them. Mm. Um, have there been any sort of emergencies or disasters um, that you've responded to in, in Latin America recently? Uh, yes. So um, 
there it's there's always some type of uh, unfortunately disaster at any given point um and currently we're just resp- we're mostly responding to the um hurricane hurricanes that had been hitting uh the Caribbean these last few weeks. So we've been in contact with our partners in Haiti, the Dominican Republic, uh, Puerto Rico, um, just seeing if they have any needs. And what's really cool about um, one particular program that we have, uh, it's called the Hurricane Preparedness Pack Program. Um, We have these wonderful kits um, that have the products, the medicines and supplies that are needed for um, responding to a hurricane type emergency. So we have those stationed over at some partner healthcare facilities. And if a hurricane does happen to come through, they're able to utilize them and mobilize them and, um, you know, support some of the people who are, whose lives have been affected by these hurricanes. That's amazing. Okay, Steph, tell us a little bit about the last project. Oh, so the last project was something very recent uh, that I created. So I created it back in uh, 2019, and it's an initiative to highlight women and non-binary creators in the Pokemon community. So I think it's really, you know, there are so many amazing creators on Twitch and on YouTube and all these different platforms, but it's just really nice to kind of come together. And especially sometimes, you know, there's so many creators that a lot can get lost at sea. And so uh, I created this initiative and every year we come together, uh, we highlight some amazing creators and we also will fundraise for charity. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about how you highlight these creators and and kind of support the work that they're doing. Yeah. So a lot of it is through social media and sharing. So we have a Twitter. And like I said, we'll usually boost any sort of Twitch events that are going on. uh, And we have a special discord where we keep everybody connected and have like a safe space to kind of connect with each other and support one another and things like that. Super cool. Um, And you raised over 60,000 for charity. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, honestly. I like every time somebody tells me, that, I'm like, "What? Really? We did?" Um, yeah. So uh, our community is amazing. What can I say? Cool. Okay. What are some of the causes that you're supporting? Um, so we fundraised for most recently. We did stop AAPI hate, especially in light of a lot of the recent events uh, that were happening earlier in the year. Uh, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital is a special. Um, cause in my heart and we've also done for the Trevor Project so those are the three off the top of my head and Mm -hmm. like I said because we're constantly supporting other members even if it wasn't listed like on our last project you know there are so many streamers on the team who are just constantly fundraising for different causes and you know for example I'm on the last project and I take part in Pokathon every year which is an event to raise money for direct relief and so you know we're always supporting each other in that way. Okay, um, so Pokathon is coming up September 3rd through the 5th. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah, okay, so you guys both have um, kind of dabbled in Pokemon. So I want to talk with you guys a little bit about that. Um, when did you both get into it? Oh, man, I was, I want to say, seven or eight or so. <laughs> um, so basically, when the Pokemon uh, trading card craze started uh, here in the States. I started collecting Pokemon cards and started trading with my friends and going over to my friend's house and, you know, playing kind of like Pokemon battles, uh, the Pokemon battle, uh, you know, with the cards. And, you know, it it was just like this whole new world that opened up to me, especially with the cartoon that came out. And I was able to like connect the cards that I had with the cartoon. So whenever I had like a card, even if it was a simple 
Caterpie, if I had seen it on the show, it just, you know, I, I just became really excited because it felt like I actually had the Pokemon there in my hands, you know? So, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have like imaginary Pokemon battles with people on the playground. I would be like, go, I choose you, Eevee. Like, so I've been a fan of Pokemon my entire life. Yeah. So I have to ask you, though, Eric, what, who's your favorite Pokemon? We're about to be best friends. <laughs> uh, my favorite Pokemon is Blastoise. Oh, um, Blastoise! Did, so I'm about to nerd out right now, but Blastoise is going to be the next Pokemon coming to Pokemon Unite, which is like the newest Pokemon game that came out on Switch. That's kind of oh cool. my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the most recent game I bought is a Pokemon Sword. So, oh, I've, good choice. Very good choice. <laughs> okay, so as someone yeah. that knows nothing about Pokemon, except for the fact <laughs> that, like, my brother had the cards, and I, yeah, I just kind of, you know, really missed out. And so tell me about um, the, the like, newest Pokemon generation. Like, Sword and Shield, is that what it's called? Yeah, I could. I'm going to try not to give, like, a, an hour talk on just the newest Pokemon <laughs> games. But Pokemon Sword Shield is really fun because it's, like, the first main series Pokemon game that came onto the Nintendo Switch. You had some previous games, but they weren't really in the same style as, like, your Pokemon Red, Blue, you know, Diamond, Pearl, you know, Fire Red, Leaf, Green. Like, those are the main series games. And so Sword and Shield got to show off those 3D graphics. And something I'm really excited and passionate about is that they made the competitive aspect of Pokemon a lot more accessible so a lot of people would say wait there's competitive Pokemon and I mean like the way that there's like competitive chess and like competitive football like there is like a competitive Pokemon scene and a lot more people have been able to get involved because the way that they programmed it into the game uh, it's just a lot easier you can download a QR code and have a competitive team ready you don't have to sit there and like build it yourself and it gets very complicated when you get into it so uh, yeah, it's really fun and it's all 3D and beautiful and anime. And so that's wow. that's my TLDR about it. <laughs> that was a good sell. You do uh, PR for video games, right? In your, I do. Your day job. I can tell. <laughs> yes, same. <laughs> it's it's so it's so easy because like I, I've loved video games my whole life. So I just get excited to talk about games. And, you know, it, it, I when I graduated university, I said, OK, I need to do something in video games because gosh darn it, this is all I do <laughs> like when I get home <laughs> play games. That's awesome. Eric, do you, you know, like how is your relationship with Pokemon now? Are you are you still an avid, you know, player? Do you keep up with the games? Uh, so I had been kind of away from the video game scene for a little bit, which was a little heartbreaking for me since, you know, I'm, I'm a huge video game fan. Um, and in you know, it's it's. I decided to come back to the video game scene after I purchased a Pokemon Sword. After one of my cousins passed away, um, you know, he one of the games he wanted to buy before he passed away was that particular game. So, in kind of honor of him, I bought the game, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna reconnect with Aww. you know my my cousin, cousin, and also with Pokemon since it's been quite a while. I wanted to talk with you about your your recent uh, pandemic hobby of of bird watching. And it's connected to Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this kind of started up around the time that I, you know, bought the game Pokemon Shield, uh, and I really missed that experience when I was a kid of, you know, catching a new Pokemon and finding a new Pokemon in the wild. Uh, so once I started feeling more comfortable when it comes to going outside, um, I started going on more hikes and I started 
you know, to appreciate uh, looking at nature and animals. And um, I decided to just start uh, bird watching. Um, I started taking photos of Pokemon and started the Pokemon <laughs> birds, uh, looking at them through uh, my binocs if they're too far away for photos. And it kind of gave me that experience of like, oh, you know, a uh, random Pokemon has appeared, but it's not really a Pokemon, it's a bird. But it had that same feeling Aww. for me, you know? Okay, I need to ask you, have you played Pokemon Snap? I have not played Pokemon oh Snap. Oh my gosh, this seems like the perfect fit. <laughs> it, for those who are listening who don't know, this is a Pokemon game where all you do is you take pictures of Pokemon in the wild. That's it. You just go around, you're on a track, almost like a roller coaster track, right? And you just take pictures of Pokemon. So... It's kind of, wow. kind of this is not an ad. I'm just saying okay, it's very wait. relevant. So that's <laughs> different from Pokemon Go. And Pokemon yes. Go is where you like capture the Pokemon in the wild while these like sort of like simulations of Pokemon, right? Yeah, like that's like a using AR technology. So right. with Pokemon Go, it's like, yeah, you put them into the real world or so they say, you know. Yeah. And then this is just a video game where you have a camera as like your controller, basically. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I'm curious how, like, whether Pokemon has influenced your experience of, like, day-to-day -day life. Like, that's a really good example of, um, like, bird watching became a hobby. What about you, Steph? Oh, um, so I would say for me, Pokemon has had a huge impact on my life, not because of one thing in particular, but just because it is the thing that I love. Like, I've loved it ever since I was a kid. It's the reason I've made so many friends going to conventions and seeing someone with a Pokemon shirt. I immediately get to go up to someone and have something in common and like a way to start a conversation. Right. And so mm -hmm. I'm just really grateful for the franchise to give me an opportunity to connect with people, because whether it's Pokemon or whether it's Zelda or whether it's like another game or even if, hey, it's about raising money for a good cause, like if you can have common ground with people like that's just something really special and so I think for me it's really just that like that is the thing that I love to talk about is like I love these little creatures and like I love the <laughs> memories that I get to make at conventions and you know like all like some of the people at Pokathon like I don't think I would have met them if we didn't all share a love of Pokemon you know so and those people are some of my best friends now so I just think in general the franchise's existence uh, was great for me. Mm, yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, it's like a giant club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Pokemon competitions. Steph, what is this? Uh, as I mentioned uh, just previously, so Pokemon has an official competitive format and it's called VGC and it's doubles. So you have two Pokemon on the field at the same time. And it's kind of a combination of chess meets poker. And so you have a 4v4 battle. And in 2020, with the newest game, Sword and Shield, one of the biggest things that I was able to get into is competitive Pokemon. They made it really easy for uh, people to get into it. And so, yeah, I have been kind of training i've been having my like training montage my journey uh to get better at the game and uh if it wasn't for the recent circumstances i was actually going to be going to events and competing like in arenas like and uh you know in-person in events yeah wow okay wait tell us more about that you would be this would be in-person real live competitions yep mm -hmm. so similar to how you have competitions for chess 
or just other events like that are happening. There are actually like big uh, like uh, convention centers and other places where they'll host tournaments for Pokemon and there's cash prizes for it. And so it, it's starting to get a lot bigger, too. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been Can doing. Can you like explain how that works? Like how you bring something like Pokemon outside of the virtual world and into like physical reality? Like how do you, where do these Pokemon come from? Well, we're still battling within the video game, but we would bring the games to an event and like get them hooked up to specific devices so that oh they can be God. shown. I was totally imagining people like unleashing Pokemon. Like, <laughs> Not the, yet, maybe like, in, in 10 arena. years. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very cool. That's the dream. That is like every Pokemon fan's dream. Like Pokemon <laughs> Go is like the starting seeds of that. It would be amazing to have like VR technology. I mean, hey, maybe with VR continuing to improve one day, we could do these competitions in VR, which would be kind of nutty but for now it's just me taking my switch and going to a place and competing okay 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 wow i was like wow this is big news <laughs> like this is breaking news pokemon are real <laughs> um cool okay and so how did you get into the like the pokathon event who was it that introduced me to Pokathon? I have a lot of friends who I've made through Twitch. I think it was Jiggy, my good old friend Jiggy, who said, Hey, Steph, you love charity streaming. You also love Pokemon. There are some other people who also like charity streaming and also really like Pokemon. You want to come together and raise money for direct relief, which is an amazing cause. And I was sold. And I said, sure. And so... Uh, that's how I kind of got involved. And every single streamer who's a part of the event will have their own segments and that we'll try to bring as much of, you know, the Pokemon content we can like into one weekend. So for me, I love competitive Pokemon. I love game shows and Pokemon trivia. So I'll do something like that. But then we have somebody who's you know, really well versed in the TCG, the trading card game. We have people really well versed in speed running Pokemon. And so we just kind of gathered people from different corners of the Internet for one weekend to play games for a cause. What's the most popular game that's played at Pokéthon? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like it's subjective. We've never really had a tally to say what was everybody's favorite segment, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'm biased and say Family Feud's my favorite segment, but that's because I hosted. Um, <laughs> um, okay, are is Pokéthon the same as like Zeldathon, where you guys are up for like twenty? It's like a twenty-four-seven, you know, event. Essentially, uh, we break it up into 12-hour days, so it'll be 12 hours for three days instead of, like, 24 hours continuously. Very cool. Um, and are you guys all getting together in kind of, like, a place to have Pokathon, or are you – you're not doing it at Direct Relief Headquarters this year, right? Not this year. It, we were so lucky in 2019 to get to do it right from Direct Relief. And that was so special to actually see the facility and just see the work that was being done firsthand and something really cool, you know, the licensing and like all, all the really cool stuff that Direct Relief has. Uh, but thankfully, thanks to the Internet, uh, during the pandemic times uh, in 2020, we were able to host it virtually. And that's kind of a perk of having a bunch of streamers all together is we're very used to working remotely and working with our setup. So it wasn't too much of a change for us. And uh, this year we're going to do the same until it's safe again. And hopefully uh, one day we'll be able to return to Direct Relief to continue in person because there's nothing better than just getting to see somebody next to you like while you're playing Pokemon together. So, yeah. Totally. So I've got a question for Eric. 
just being at Direct Relief uh, outside of, say, Pokathon, were you familiar with a lot of like gaming charity live streams? Uh, so I was introduced by our colleague Steve and MC to Zeldathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my introduction to like charity live streaming, which I thought was amazing. It's like you're combining, you know, a good like supporting a good cause with one of my favorite things, which is gaming. It, it's, it's just it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, Eric, what's your favorite part of the work? It's uh, definitely definitely working with um, all the wonderful people, um, you know, that work at the our healthcare facility partners and not just Latin America, but around the world and here in the States as well. Uh, I just find it really amazing that, you know, we're everybody here at Direct Relief, we're really passionate about what we do and helping others. But then you get to talk to other people from different parts of the world and the country, and they're just as passionate in helping others as well. So it's just whenever you communicate with other like-minded people that feel the same way as you, it's just there's this like wonderful feeling that you get that you're doing something good and, you know, it, you're part of a team, not just direct relief, but part of this like wonderful network of people that just want to help others. Um, I guess my question is, you know, in your work, Eric, do you get to talk to a lot of people on the ground? Um, or is it, you know, like, I'm sure that you have a lot of interesting conversations. Yeah, I do get to work with a lot of people on the ground. Um, you know, I'm able, I've talked to people who, um, you know, either work admin or like the president of a particular NGO. Um, I've talked to doctors, nurses. Um, I've talked to all kinds of people and they all have different experiences because uh, in the part of the work that they do, some of them might not have direct contact with patients, just like we don't have that direct contact. But when we get to talk to nurses and doctors who are able to relay some of the stories uh, that they see and um, some of the wonderful things that they're able to do um, through our collaboration with them. I mean, that's one of the most fulfilling things of, you know, about what I do here at Direct Relief, like actually hearing about some of the impact that, you know, our support has. Mm. What are some of the most urgent needs that you hear about? Oh, man, <laughs> I, I guess it depends on the situation. Like during COVID, um, definitely oxygen concentrators, PPE, um, meds to support um, or to treat some of the symptoms um, related to COVID. Uh, but outside of COVID, I mean, it's, uh, it's very common to hear partners ask for um, medicines for chronic diseases, you know, like diabetes, hypertension, um, you know, respiratory diseases. Mm. That's a uh, pretty common, and um, you know, every everybody asks for that, asks for that from like the most humble clinic to um, the largest like public healthcare facility in Honduras, for example. Mm. And right now, COVID is still very much an issue. Yes. And depending, like some countries are being hit hard right now by Delta, while others are anticipating being hit. And it's, it's kind of scary because like even though they, they feel like they're in a good place right now, um, they know it's very likely that then this new variant is going to cause cases to spike in their country soon. Um, so we're we're just trying to help where we can, where where it's most needed. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, I can't imagine if everybody got hit at the same time at the same level. Like it would it would be really overwhelming and, um, yeah, uh, tough. Yeah, totally. Has, has the pandemic impacted your like personal workflow in any way, or did you and the team have to go through specific procedures to kind of adapt to the situation? So I think the greatest challenge, aside from 
having to adapt from working from home um, mm-hmm. and not being close to our wonderful coworkers. You know, we have a really nice culture here at Direct Relief. Everybody, um, you know, we have a lot of events uh, like the team lunches. Um, we had, um, you know, big like our main meetings like once a month where we all met in the conference room and had lunch together um, that was something i really liked about directly culture and unfortunately that kind of disappeared during the pandemic and mm-hmm. you know uh, we really missed our coworkers and and being, them being isolated was really really tough you know we still we still had the, the opportunity to talk to our coworkers through you know um through the phone through our, our team chat uh, but it's, it's not the same as being with them um face-to-face uh and also with covid just the amount of work that workload that we have to do like skyrocketed uh just because there's so much need and right and even though but even though that's tough you know it's the fact that we're helping others that kind of pushes pushes us to keep going um steph did the pandemic and everything kind of going remote affect you in any way and, and your work This is always such an interesting question, because if you were to ask a different streamer, I'm sure you would get a different answer uh, because it comes down to, I think, like your personal life. Uh, For me, part of my job outside of the streaming part, which that was always remote for me, I was always a bit of a homebody in terms of like staying home all the time. But I loved going to events, not just the charity events and Polkathon, but I loved going to conventions to see my friends who are kind of all over the world. Honestly, like most of my best friends are not in like a five mile radius of me. You know, most of my friends are from other places. And so not being able to see my friends for two years now has been really difficult. And I feel I definitely feel the isolation, even though I was always most of the time home and working remotely, like just that feeling of knowing that I couldn't go out kind of hit a little bit hard. But you know, you have to do what you got to do to keep everybody safe. And so I, you know, uh, did not go out. And, uh, you know, unless it's an absolute emergency. And as things are starting to get better, you know, I'm just hoping that uh, I'll be able to see some friends again soon from other places. So I think that was definitely the hardest part for me in terms of my actual job and workflow. Nothing really changed just having to force myself to go outside to or at least take a walk, you know, because otherwise I'm sitting like 14 hours a day, like on my computer and not going outside. So uh yeah, giving myself a reason to go out. <laughs> so, Steph, on those walks, I definitely recommend bird watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need to do. And I can send you a picture and be like, wow, this looks like the Pokemon, like, Fletchling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Eric, do you have any upcoming projects or kind of things that you're working on with uh, partners in Latin America? So, w- one of the projects I really, really like um, that we're working on is this Caribbean like cold chain capacity um, uh, expansion. I forget that we don't have like we have like a specific name, but it's a, definitely a mouthful. But pretty much what it means is um, you know we're identifying you know which uh, healthcare facilities or um, health healthcare partners can support um, their patients with either COVID vaccines or um, medicine for, uh, you know, cancer, but, but that specific medicine is refrigerated, but they might not have the capacity to be able to receive uh, refrigerated medicines. They might not have a refrigerator or, or they might have trouble with their electricity where they might have a refrigerator, but the, if the electricity like shuts out, like if there's a blackout, like those medicines will potentially be like go bad because the refrigerator stops working overnight. So we're working on identifying other partners who have a need for a refrigerator or some type of, um, you know, 
power surge like moderator that can go along with the refrigerator and, and supporting them so they're able to um, support their patients with the medicines they need, whether it's uh, COVID, uh, COVID vaccines, oncology medicines, or any other type of refrigerated medicine. Mm, okay. Wow. That's really cool. Are you, um, what are some of the countries that you're working with? Uh, Dominican Republic is one. Uh, we've already sent one to one, well, to a clinic in the Dominican Republic. Um, and that clinic is really, really great because they, they support like a network of other healthcare facilities. Um, so if, if they receive a donation of, um, of medicine that needs to be refrigerated, they may store it for some of these other facilities as well, not just for their patients. Um, and uh, Ecuador, so we're looking into uh, potentially purchasing one for one of our healthcare partners in Ecuador. Sweet. Um, Steph, what about you? Any upcoming uh, projects or live streams? Always. There's always something coming up. Um, but I think the one I'm most excited for is just Polkathon. That's going to be happening September 3rd through 6th. What better way to spend your Labor Day weekend than hanging out with us while we raise money for direct relief? Outside of that, uh, I d- it depends on when this this gets released, but on the 21st, I'll have a 12-hour live stream on my channel. So if you just want to come say hi, get to know me, you can do that there. But those are kind of the most recent stuff that's happening in the making. <laughs> Where can people find your content? So you can find me on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all as Steph of Anime, all one word. Sweet. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys both so much for being on the podcast. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. It was really nice to meet you too. And thanks just for everything that you're doing with Direct Relief. Likewise, Steph, and thanks for what you're doing. Um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do if it wasn't for um, you know, f- uh, charities, charity streamers and fundraisers like you. Dream team. <laughs> Together, <laughs> yes. things happen. <laughs> yes, we're all part of a big team. <laughs> 